and Mine Hollywood. Entertainment cronies and cinema elitists hand out awards for excellence in moving pictures. Sometimes the winners don't hold up to the test of time, so we're here in the future to tell them how they got it wrong. This is Switch the Envelope. Welcome to Switch the Envelope, a podcast that aims at rewriting Hollywood award history. My name is Corey. And I'm Jeff. Welcome to part two of this week's episode of Switch the Envelope. We're going to continue with our discussion of 1998's Academy Awards for Best Original Screenplay. We will be jumping right into the discussion, describing our five-finger metric. Don't forget to hit us up on Twitter at Switch Envelope or on Instagram at Switch the Envelope. Okay, so our new metric... Is this film timeless? Yeah, I mean, is it a timeless story? Is is it you know something that like you could tell? It, it can it be can it be remade in ten years and still have the same sort of appeal and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. Is it a compelling story? Does the film have a well have well developed characters? Okay. Does it have quotable lines? Oh, is it when quotable? You, when you leave the theater, are you quoting lines from the movie with your friends, with your family? Maybe you're quoting them to your dog. That's a very important part of. The, the dialogue part of script writing is exactly like coming up with lines that people want to use again and again. Although this particular part of our metric is a little tricky because some of the best lines, like I think there's one in Boogie Nights that was a line flub that is one of the more quotable lines from that movie. Which one? The one where William H. Macy says, my wife's out there and she has a, oh, yeah, an ass in her flub. cock yeah. on the driveway. Cock, yeah. I, I'm having a hard time focusing here. Like, that's a great line, but it's not one that was written. Yeah. You know, so we, we got to be a little careful with uh, with that. And then um, would you recommend the movie? We're going to keep that the same because we, yeah. if a movie was badly written, you usually don't recommend it. So we're going to keep it. The yeah. Way. And if, if we're sort of judging these by the written word like a book, would you recommend a book? Would you? It still still holds up. Okay. So let's go through the first one. So let's go through. Uh, let's give him the finger. Where are we going first? <laughs> Let's go with through Deconstructing Harry. Deconstructing Harry. We, we've already said a lot about this film. Go through the metric. Here we go. Okay. Is it timeless? Fuck no. no. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't timeless when it happened. That movie looked dated as fuck when it, was start, when it first happened. Yeah. I mean, it's very Woody Allen-y. So, like, if you're... <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, don't give me that look. <laughs> It's a completely legit comment to make about Deconstructing <laughs> Harry. It's a very Woody Allen film, you know. Um, but yeah, the like he goes to hell in it. In a, it's weird. It's it's not great. Billy Crystal is the devil. Yeah, because Billy Billy Crystal plays the devil, and he also plays his like former this oh, man. There's a web that Woody Allen weaves in this thing, but there's not enough like substance to all of the different characters for you to keep track of. You're like, wait, okay, so he hadn't so. He wrote a book about uh, Woody a guy, Allen was better than ants. A guy who <laughs> <laughs> he writes a book about a guy who sleeps with his girlfriend's sister, and that turns out to be an analog for his real life. And then the sister that he had the affair with is now marrying Billy Crystal or something like that. I I don't know. It's really hard to keep up with the sort of tangled web that happens in Deconstructing Harry. Because everything is so segmented. And well, then, is it a compelling story? In the middle of it, there's there's a bit of a compelling story where like he's going back to like if the whole thing had been mostly about him trying to go do this, you know, get this honorary award from his former college or whatever, like if that was ninety percent of the movie and then you weave these this other stuff in, um, then I think it would have been a more compelling sort of character study on him and like his failings and his insecurities and you know like he was kicked out of that college and like they could have leaned on that a little more and it would have been more impactful I think but there was just too much trying to go on in the movie that makes it less uh, of a compelling story. Yeah, I can see that. Okay, so um, I don't think it was a very compelling story. I thought it was very. It was just a Woody Allen film. All his film for for me, all his films seem the same. Well, and be, especially when he directs, like there's almost every character in his film is just a Woody Allen interpretation. It's like, oh, there's female Woody Allen. There's another male Woody Allen. You know, like the the most egregious of it's this, just all neurotic, self obsessed. Uh, it's like a Seinfeld episode. What's what's the movie about movies that he made? Um, shit, Al. 
Al. What's what's the Woody Allen movie? <laughs> this is going to be a weird request, Al. What's the Woody Allen movie that's about the movie industry? <laughs> Celebrity. Thank you, Al. Awesome. Um, it's got a, an, an all-star cast, but every single character in that movie is just them doing an impression of Woody Allen. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of where his films go in this era of Woody Allen films, but, you know, whatever. All right, so next on the metric. Uh, quotable lines. I could not tell you a single line from this movie. You know, I haven't seen it enough. I, I, it's not fair for me to say that, but I haven't seen it enough. I, I mean... Because, I've seen this movie once. Because you don't want to see it, you don't care yeah. about the lines. It's not. It's not one of those that that stays memorable. Do we go over characters? Uh, well developed characters. Well developed characters. Yeah, I think the character of We can get a finger for that. There, there are there are enough characters that that are are well defined, especially because you get sort of not necessarily the single characters, but because they have their sort of fictional counterparts that help round out sort of the way he feels about them because the whole thing is like through his sort of yeah, perspective. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say that he's got good characters. Woody Allen makes good characters anyway, even though their voice, their tone and their dialogue is all Woody Allen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, one, one point we're giving them point characters. One point for uh, well-developed characters. Okay. Uh, next. Uh, would you recommend this movie? Nah, there are much better Woody Allen films. Nah, to recommend. so we got one one finger. We're giving this movie. We're giving Woody Allen. We're giving the it finger. the finger. We're giving this movie the finger. <laughs> awesome. All right, cool. Next movie. To read you the metric. Did you not write the metric? You wrote the metric. Of course. Okay. Of course, I write the metric. All right. Next movie. Let's move on to uh, the Full Monty. The Full Monty. Full Monty. Is the full Monty timeless? I think the hilarity of guys taking off their clothes, old men taking off the clothes, it's timeless. It's never going to get old. Never it, it's old. like for every men that uh, that decide to strip buck naked. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. yeah that's, that, that's, that works. That's a great concept. Um, the film itself looks dated. Uh, I, I think, think it's like dated partially or is because it just it's British. A, well, I think partially because it's a a lower budgeted film, so like yeah, it it's film. not as crisp as uh, you know some of the other films. Though, uh, no, yeah, because Chasing Amy has a bit of that. Like, oh, this is a '90s film, you know. I think that's we'll get to Chasing yeah. Amy. <clears throat> but the story, like, we're not talking about the look of the film. Is the story a timeless story? Yeah. I think yes. the story is timeless. Yes. Um. Is it a compelling story? Do you care about the story? You care about the characters of the story. Well, we're not to characters, but like the. Well, that's the that's we're we're going to talk about the characters. Are the co- characters compelling in, in another one? But like, so the theme of the story is timeless. Well, we're talking about if the characters is the story compelling. The story is compelling. Do you, do you care about everything that happens? Yes, you do. Okay, but it's mostly a comedy. So, yeah, I mean, I I think you you do endear yourself to to sort of you know the stakes and what they're trying to accomplish and. Following along uh, their journey, yes, compelling stories. Two fingers so far. Um, are the characters well developed? Yeah, I think they are. I think you, I think the characters are well de- well developed. But it, like I said, it is a comedy. But they mm-hmm. do a lot of backstory on why the characters have to go and strip. Mm-hmm. They do a lot of that in the movie. Yeah. So yeah. I think in the story, they do develop the characters a lot. They do develop them well. I agree. So yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's it's a it's a quirky, fun little indie film. Yeah, you know, um, and in that indie film fashion, they can spend a lot more time giving you, you know, substance that a lot of sleeker, you know, big budget films, you know, the studio strips away and is like just blow some shit up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's no blowing anything up here except for underwear, apparently. <laughs> um. And and yeah, really played for laughs well. I remember I've seen this movie a couple times. Once when I was too young to really understand what was going on, and then once later where I was like, "Oh my god, this is actually like this is a pretty delightful little film." Uh, is it quotable? I can't think of any quotes from the movie. For the life of me, I cannot think of something that is quotable other than the full Monty, the title of the film being a thing that they talk about as going completely buff, you know. 
Um, but yeah, there's nothing about this movie where if I said a line to you, you'd be like, oh, the full Monty. I think back then it probably was a quotable movie. I, I don't know. There's I a mean, lot. It was a comedy. There's, there's funny had. lines, but I don't remember anybody quoting the full Monty. You know what I mean? But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I can't. I can't think. I can't tell. Yeah, like the the spoof song. Like I'm trying to think of like if anybody spoofed it or like you know like it what was they, it was spoofed, but only the like taking off the clothes part. Yeah, it wasn't spoofed. The lines weren't spoofed. Yeah, so I would say no, not quotable. Uh, would you recommend this film? I wouldn't. If somebody had not seen this film, I would not go out of my way to tell them they need to see the full Monty. There's several other films I would say you need to go see this. For instance, Fifth Element. <laughs> Yeah, I would recommend the shit out of the Fifth Element. I wouldn't recommend this one. The Full Monty uh, is um, is incredibly charming as a film. Uh, w- would I recommend it? I mean, if if you want to see like lots of naked dudes, no, I mean, <laughs> yes, but um, y- y- I think like the old British white dudes, s- similar to it, like a British comedy that is quirky and indie, and you know, sort of is also kind of socially relevant um, in a way. Uh, I would say, like, I'd probably... Nuns on the run? No, I'd probably recommend something more along the lines like Kinky Boots than I would the Full Monty, so maybe no. But, yeah, I, but I I'm compelled to want to give it a half point because I liked the story, I liked the movie, you know? Um, yeah, it's fun. Enough to where, like, if somebody was like, what do you think of the Full Monty? would be like, oh, yeah, you should watch it, you know? So it's a half-hearted half point. A little bit because there are better films that I would recommend that sort of fit that, you, you know, need in cinema. Yep. But I, I don't know. What do you think? Half half point? Eh, I if you want to give that it a not, half point, is that not a compelling enough argument for? <laughs> if you want to give it a half point, but I think both of us kind of were like meh, so I think we should just not give it a finger. Okay, so it gets uh, three fingers. It's timeless, fingers. It's compelling. It's got good characters, but not very quotable, and we wouldn't necessarily recommend it. <clears throat> three points for the full Monty. All right, so next. Let's do um, Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights, okay. This is this is a film that, that I've seen fairly recently. I've, um, I've seen this movie so many times. This is one of your favorite films. I this this is one of my favorite films. Uh, I've I've attempted to and see this, this film. podcast. I've said that several times. Yes, yeah, probably. <laughs> but this really is probably one of my favorite films. Okay, so try not to let that color your uh, your objective. I won't. I'll viewpoints. be very objective. Um, is it timeless? Well, Fuck yes. <laughs> this this is one of those movies. Sorry, I'll let you go. This is one of those you movies go. where I've tried to see it multiple times and I've gotten through parts. I didn't realize until I had seen it most recently where I was like, I have not seen like 20 minutes of the end of this movie. <laughs> well, you it know, gets like, very depressing because it follows a certain it it's a even though it is not specifically supposed to be John Holmes's life story. Right. It is exactly John Holmes' life story. His life story follows this exact same path mm-hmm. where he was on a high. He was at a point in his life where he was on top of the world. He was getting $2,000 a, a movie, and then all of a sudden he went and he hit rock bottom because he was on crack, he was on cocaine, whatever he was on, and, um, and he was not able to perform. Mm-hmm. And so he was having to do whatever he could to get to get high. Mm-hmm. And that's what that movie shows. It does. And it's one of those things where I realize, like, oh, I've fallen asleep during this whole chunk of the movie on multiple viewings. Um, and then sort of wake up towards the end, like, in time to see his cock reveal. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> <laughs> um, th- if I were reading this as a book, y- you know, there's... <clears throat> hmm. I had a real problem with how juvenile it was from juvenile from, yeah like the Hold all of the characters are just like really dumb and there's not a lot of like that's on purpose though. no 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 i know then there's a moment in the middle of the film where you're like oh i see how they're really like this is a choice you know so it sort of makes up for all of that and it makes the entire first like half or first three quarters of the film really good and then there's there's a moment where, like, after he hits rock bottom, basically, the entire film tone shifts, the story tone shifts, and none of the characters act the way that they acted before. Yeah, they do. No, they don't. Yeah, it, they do. Are you kidding? When he's in the, when he's trying, it shifts to showing how they're on top of the world. Mm-hmm. Their life is just one big party, and then it shows what happens when the party 
ends. Ends. Yes. And they start realizing they can't handle the drugs. They can't handle the drinking. They can't handle their personal lives. They can't handle their kids that they have outside of their lives. Um, the girl who plays Amber Waves, which is Julianne Julia Moore. Moore, her her life, she, her kids get taken away from her. Mm-hmm. The girl, um, Don Cheadle's character, uh-huh. he tries to actually have a real life, and he realizes he can't because he can't get a loan. You have uh, Mark Wahlberg's that character. Robbery, that robbery scene is insane. Yeah. And he's trying to have a real life with a girl who is also a porn star, and then he realizes he can't get a loan for for uh, from the bank because he is a porn star or because he's a pornographer. And he's then, associated with pornography. I don't no, think he he's, is. He doesn't. He's not one of the yeah, like he is. performers. He's Buck. he's Buck. No, no, but like he's a performer. Yeah. Is he? Is he one of the like yes. male? Okay. Yes, every one of them is, and then all of them want to do something else. They all use this as like a stepping stone to get out of their terrible situations, right. and they realize they can't do it because of what they've done be in their past. Because right. back then. First of all, in the 70s, porn was illegal. That's what in this certain, doesn't go in. Yeah, in certain states. Oh, it's it's interesting either way. But, but the oh, go ahead. The good thing about the the story, I think it is compelling because you see these people's lives, and when it takes a turn for the worse in their lives, they're not able to come back, and they actually, in the end of the story, they have to all end up coming back. Right to the house that they originally came right. back to, they couldn't make it on their own. Yeah, so I, I, it wasn't like I didn't like either side of of the film. That, that's not what I was trying to get across. I'm saying that there's a shift in the movie, and then it becomes a completely different movie. The tone completely shifts, and, and you see that in the in the music. The music just turns into this this this. And when all this is happening, there's no music. If you listen to the background, it's just a tone they're playing. Yeah, this is like this yeah. low like. Yeah, it's it's a fucking lost theme song. That, yeah, it's that just happens. like in the background. They're playing this. And they do that for if you listen to it, it almost drives you nuts if you know what's happening. They do it for like thirty minutes. Yeah, well, it's, it's low while tone. everybody's hitting the rock bottom. Yeah, they hit this just tone. Um, can you refer to me as Dirk Diggler from here on? <laughs> um, I just see this light and it's, it's like blue. It's and blue it's neon, and it's like it's and like a name. <laughs> and the name like is so fantastic, neon, you know, that the sign just blows up. Um. Clearly, it's quotable. Uh, <laughs> um, but it, it's it's got this this weird thing where like as a as a whole, it feels a little too separate. Those two halves. See, I don't think it's the other way. I think it. But then, feels but then, no, right. no, no, no. But then, but I I don't dislike the the parts individually, you know. But the the um, the sort of crime drama that happens at the end of the film, the the back half of the film is really compelling for its, for being like sort of this like crime drama. And the beginning part is, is this sort of like, you know, insider or outsider look of porn from the inside, you know, movies that are happening. But you know what I really like one and part two What was kind of good about the movie. The people are ugly. With the exception of Mark Wahlberg, you know what though? Porn in the seventies. No, that's people actually weren't, weren't, that weren't. was pretty cool because they have John C. Riley playing one of the, the porn stars, one yeah. of the porn Reed I think pornographers. Yeah, Reed, Reed Rothschild. They're not what you would think they're, to be. They're played down, uh, you know, like with their like makeup and all that kind of stuff. Sure, but they're not. They're they look they look to be regular people. Not just regular people, but like trashy. <laughs> they make everybody look kind of trashy, you Every, know. Everybody's on coke, so like the <laughs> they're a little frazzled and uh, around the yeah, edges. Yeah, it's, it's I, I like that because there's a realism to it that's really cool. And then yeah. it's so seedy, like how the the guy who's paying for all this stuff ends up getting arrested for like child porn and stuff. And you, you no, see not, like that. not child porn. He yeah he um yeah that's what happens. He assaults a 15 year old. No, that's not what happens. No, they go to the the guy who plays the colonel. He yeah, goes he's, to the he's talking goes to the to, thing. To and he says, he's like, I didn't know she was fifteen. Yeah, my God, she says, was like fifteen says, going on whatever. That's all you did. He says that's all you did. It was only she you didn't was, touch. You didn't, didn't know. Touch you didn't know. And they says, yeah. Oh, I like but, to watch. Yeah. No, he said, yeah, but like they found him? some things. Oh, okay. So they found some things, and then that's when he hangs up the phone, and he just goes, "Yep, I'm out." Yeah. Which anybody would do. Anyone would be like, yep, 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 I'm cutting you off, buddy. Such a gratifying scene when he gets bitch slapped by his his cellmate. Exactly. (laughs) Shut the fuck up. Yeah. He's like, (laughs) yep, that's what happens. He's just weeping. (laughs) Fucking kid. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Is it a compelling story? I think it is. We need to start at the beginning. It's timeless. I don't think I answer timeless. You said fuck yes. Timeless is timeless. Yeah, yeah. I would say that 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 type of story. And the porn industry is worth like, you know, $40 billion a year. So 
a story about the rise and fall of it is timeless. Yeah, I mean, they, they could remake this this film in 10 years and it would still be, be relevant, sure. I think you could watch this film. In 10 years? Well, 10 yeah, years but that's relevant. not the screenwriting part of I it. I know. Circle back. Whatever. <laughs> Next. Compelling story. Yes. Fuck yes. Uh, yes. Are they? Do they have well-developed characters? I think this has great characters. Every character you look at in this film, you understand where they're coming from. You have Don Cheadle's character. You know where he's coming from. Reed Rothschild, you know what he wants to be a magician. Yeah. You know, I mean, even uh, um, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even he's, his character. He's got he's, a very small part. He's got a good arc. But he's got a great arc because he's like this creepy dude that just hangs around the house, hangs around. <laughs> he's not creepy. He's He is creepy. He's, he's yeah, and he does, he's awkward, not creepy. He's creepy as fuck. He's, he's awkward, not creepy. He is so turned on by the by the scene he watches. Mm-hmm. He can't hold up the the microphone. Mm-hmm. He's creepy as fuck, man. See, I don't I don't see him as creepy. All right. Yeah, I, yeah. Either way, he's he's sort of single white femaleing. Uh, but you Mark can Wahlberg you can feel movie. you can you you feel the backstory of every character. Like when when uh, William H Macy goes and kills. Oh my god! Or kills himself and kills the wife. That you, you that feel whole, like the that whole storyline is. And there's all these. Multiple in- storylines, intense. Yeah, there's multiple storylines, but not a, like not like a, a web that is separate. That well, they no, get it woven is a web together. No, no, they no, no, all... no, 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 because they're all connected in the same plot. Like the those movies that have like a web of stories that eventually come together. They're separate little stories that we that we peek in on throughout, and then we find out how they're connected. These people are all connected at all times. You're just seeing the the larger scope. Of characters that exist within this, it's an ensemble more than it is a web of story. Yeah, there's also there's also stuff they do in here, like they they show how the porn industry switched from film to VHS, and how that's how video VHS actually became killed beta because porn switched to VHS. Right, they chose, shows they chose VHS. Yeah, yeah, they show them switching to VHS. It also show show, that. shows them switching the trends in porn from the 70s to the 80s, become, becoming more amateur and the, the like, um, you know, picking off the random stranger on the street to fuck somebody in a car like that. Yeah. Became super popular in the 90s with the bang bus. Like they show the origins of that, basically. Yes. Um, quotable lines. Yeah. I think we, we've proved that it's, yeah. it's super quotable. Would you recommend this movie? Fuck yeah, man. I'd work, yeah, hell yeah. I'd recommend this movie. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd probably recommend this movie. Okay, five fingers for this movie. Five fingers. It gets fisted. <laughs> <laughs> that seems fitting for Boogie Nights. As good as it gets. Very timeless. good movie. I think, I think as, as good as it gets, the story is timeless. If we were doing the best picture, it's a little dated. Mm-hmm. But I think the story is timeless. You could remake it, same yeah. story, and it would be just as... Current. Curmudgeonly, um, isolationist man. Although there's a lot of racism in it. There's a lot, of, but but like you said before, like as a crutch for him personally, as opposed to just him being overtly bigoted. And that's true. And right now, today, today, a lot Dude, of racism. The whole movie, the entire time I was watching this movie recently. Put a MAGA hat on him and he'd be... I, I was like, dude, this guy is Trump America, <laughs> wrapped up in Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Like... It, it's crazy the the sort of like that's not the way things used to be attitude though you find out throughout the course of the movie like you said it's sort of just a, a facade that he puts up to yeah. keep people at a distance you know <clears throat> which is not necessarily the case but they also talk about the health care and like the uh, you know health costs and all that kind of shit um there's a lot of themes in here that are still things that we are struggling with today and i think that's where the story um Aside from just the, the generic story of like the guy <clears throat> and it has a harsh exterior and it breaks down to you know reveal his soft underbelly as Helen Hunt says to him. To the, at, soft the, at, the, at the at the heart of the story, it's it's a it's a man and his dog story. Kind of a man and somebody else's dog, but yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> timeless. Yes, it's is, Marley and me, really. <laughs> except the dog doesn't die. Yeah, uh, is it a compelling story uh, in general? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. How is it not compelling? This I, is this is a compelling story. I think I, agree. I actually think Greg Kinnear is the better is story the line? better storyline than Jack Nicholson. I think both Greg Kinnear and Helen Hunt's stories are both 
Yeah, but Helen Hunt's story is wrapped up in Greg it, in, in a it is, but the her her story of like a waitress working for her sick kid and like doing the best she can and struggling against the system and like coming up against walls because her HMO doesn't cover this and they can only run certain tests and you know when he <clears throat> when uh, Jack Nicholson's character you know pays for a do- oh, like a real doctor to come Egon yeah <laughs> yeah Harold Ramis to come in. <laughs> And be a real doctor for her kid and how much that changes her life and her outlook on him as a character and what, you know, preconceived notions of people are and all that kind of stuff. That is a really compelling thing. And and one of the the big reasons why uh, I think her winning the best actress this year is is very warranted but that that storyline the struggle that she's going through is uh, incredibly compelling. Plus there's the scene where she's all wet at the front door. Yeah, it's a really good scene, and she's she's like super modest about it all of a sudden. Yeah, it's way better than her and Twister. <laughs> well, Twister's not a great story. <clears throat> we don't have to go over that again. Uh, are the characters awesome? We sort of we sort of broke into this while talking about the story, uh, but are the characters well defined? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It, it, very well defined. Even Cuba Gooding Jr., who's not in it that much. Cuba Gooding Jr. Great, Jr. is great. Great, great, great in in this movie. Um, he sort of is the 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 MacGuffin, if you will, of of this movie, where he kind of gets the ball rolling for the arc to complete. When he threatens Jack Nicholson about like you you can't throw his fucking dog down the trash chute, you owe him a favor. You think I'm scared of you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. My grandmother, this, that, and whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. Man, I hate doing this. Yeah, I'm an art dealer. <laughs> um. He's yeah, he's he's real good. Every everybody in the movie is 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 pretty good. Um is it quotable? Yes. Yeah. But most of the quotes that are remembered from that movie are kind of racist, so I don't think you'd want to say them. Well, not all of them are racist. Like there's that one moment where she asks him to give a a uh, real compliment to her. And the compliment that he ends up giving her is you make me want to be a better man. That's a pretty good quote. Okay. And and something that's probably you know repeated in wedding vows and you know anniversary sayings and you know all that kind of stuff that comes from this movie. It, it's a it's a really good line. And there's also uh, one that's uh, on the meaner side of Jack Nicholson character, but not racist. There's racist stuff on either side of this line, but the line where he's like, "Go sell your crazy somewhere else. We're all full up here." Like it's a pretty good line. That's it's, great. It's a really quick comeback. Uh, would you recommend as good as it gets? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Especially to my mom, <laughs> if she hadn't, if her and all her friends hadn't already seen it, it for me it's it's a bit of a conditional recommend. The themes in it are like you said, you'd recommend it to your mom. It, it's for an older crowd. It is so if, but I think the themes in it are very important, and I think the way that they handle um, Greg Kinnear's part is mm-hmm. very important. I think it's. Yeah, I, I think I think it's as good as it gets, really. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, th- this as mov- far as movies are, it's this, as good as it gets. This movie is one of those that suffers from uh, having a like very specific moment where they say the title of the film, <laughs> where he he's in his therapist's yeah, uh, waiting says, room and he goes, "Maybe this is just as, as good as, as it gets." gets. Yeah, and I, I feel like every time that happens in a movie, like a bell sound should happen or something like, <laughs> "Bing!" Like we did it. <laughs> um. As far as recommending the movie, I, I don't know that I can fully recommend this movie. Um, it's very conditional, so half a point. You mean half a finger? Half a finger, yeah. All right, four and a half fingers. So four, four and a half for as good as it gets. I still think you'd be recommending to people. I don't know. Like it's conditional, but I, I can't say like if somebody's never seen the movie or never like heard about it, like I'd be like, oh yeah, you know, it's it's fine, like. <laughs> Like it's good. It's good if you want to see it, see it. But I'm not going to be like, oh my god, you haven't seen it's good as it gets, as good as it gets. Like you haven't seen that movie. Like it's not one of those where I, I would be, you know, gobshocked that somebody hadn't been exposed to you know what it is in um, in cinema. You know. All right, moving on to our last nominated film, the winner of this category, Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on this. This one's everybody's seen. Everybody knows it's the winner. Um, is it timeless? Yes. Yeah, it's a pretty timeless story. Is it a compelling story? Yeah, I'd say it's pretty compelling. Yeah. Well-developed characters. You know, although 
I don't believe a lot of the characters in there are very well developed. I would say there are four characters that are well developed. I think a lot. Of, I think the friends that are there with him, not so much. Yeah, the uh, what's his brother, uh, Casey Affleck. Casey, Casey Affleck, his character. Yeah, all all of the peripheral characters are kind of the same. Yeah, in, in this movie, I, I don't, I don't, I don't really think those characters are very well developed. Not as well as Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights, no. every single character you have a backstory. Completely for. agree. Completely. But agree. in this movie, you don't. So n- no, I wouldn't give that them that. Okay. If it's a quotable movie, obviously. It's, how do you like them apples? Yeah, I mean, it's such a quotable movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is also one of the only movies that I've ever seen where they actually talk about Howard Zinn, <laughs> who's one of my one of my favorite authors and historical writers. Right. But anyway, um, and would you recommend this movie? I, if somebody hadn't seen this movie, I would be like, dude, it would be like if somebody hadn't seen Schindler's List. I'd be like, come on. What the hell? It is it is one of those movies where, like, if you haven't seen it, I would, like, want to go watch it with you. Yeah, I'd be like, you haven't seen Good Will Hunting. Let's you go watch to it go right sit now. down and watch yeah. it. It's like not seeing The Godfather. Yeah. And if you haven't seen The Godfather, you're an idiot and you need to go watch it. <laughs> so if you haven't seen The Godfather, you haven't seen Good Will Hunting, you haven't seen Schindler's List, you need to go see all three of those movies. I mean, part, partly because of how, how much of a sort of... Um, little pop culture. It's an influence on pop culture, and you um, need to influencer. see it. It, it yeah. was at, at the time, and, and you know, now would still continue to be. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, it's it's you know like where just for like Ben Affleck. It's it's Ben Affleck and Matt Damon in their sort of birth of stardom. You know what I mean? Although I will say, Matt Damon's character bothers me in this movie. Really? Yeah, I, I don't like him in this movie. Hmm. He's a little too uh, southpaw. A little too. Uh, it, it's just he's just too like he's just too so, like I'm but, I'm rough. By the way, so is Eddie from Torrance and Boogie Nights. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I think that I don't buy that Mark Wahlberg is from California at all. <laughs> <laughs> he is never not either. Like I buy him from Philly or from Boston. That is it. Yeah. That's true. No, but I mean, like Matt Damon is, but he feels like he's trying a little too hard to to feel like he's hardcore. Well, they're supposed to be kind of like hooligan kids, but he is, and he's just the smartest of his hooligan. He doesn't pull it off. I feel like he doesn't pull it. I've never thought that. Well, he's also a character doing it, but he's a character who is teetering between two worlds: the academic world and the sort of like street world. He, his friend Ben Affleck in the movie tells him basically like, "When I come to pick you up to like go to work every morning." I'm I hope hoping you're not there. I, I hope you don't show up because yeah. he knows that like, you don't belong with us. You don't belong in in you know the the sort but of I like Boston street. But I actually think Ben Affleck street. does a better job in acting in that movie than Matt Damon does. I think they do both, both do a fantastic job. That's. I mean, their acting isn't necessarily up for debate in this category, but like, yeah, I think I think both of them together work really well. They have a good chemistry. You believe them as friends. I mean, probably because they are real friends. Um, you know uh, the the sort of exchanges that they have. The but I mean, in in general, Ben Affleck, I like his acting less than Matt Damon on in general. Mostly, yeah. But in this movie, I just liked him better. I don't know. I just somehow okay. he just felt more natural. Okay. But whatever. I mean, you know. Okay. Okay. So, of all the films we've done, what what did it get? Five five fingers. Or sorry, four fingers. Four fingers. Good. So we got four fingers. Um, Boogie Nights got five fingers. Good as it gets, four and a half. Four and a half for good as it gets. The full Monty. Full Monty got three. Three. And then Deconstructing Harry. Deconstructing Harry got the fucking finger. <laughs> Numero uno. Okay, uh, so let's do alternates. Alternate. Not nominated. Not nominated. Probably should have been because we know all. Because <laughs> yeah. switch the envelope. Friggin' authority on what the Academy should have done. I would go as far as to say the official authority the on official what authority. the Academy should have done. <laughs> So, going by the official authority, that is, switch the envelope, we are going to go over the ones that should have been nominated. All right, let's let's sort of, because we added a lot to this, let's uh, let's try to get through these a little quicker, um, starting with Titanic. Titanic. Timeless? Uh, timeless. Um, is it a timeless story? Yeah. I think it's timeless. It's a timeless story. It's, it's a timeless story. It's a love yeah. story in the... I have to get past the not, not judging the movie itself. Yeah, trying to just go by screenplay. <laughs> okay, yes, it's a timeless story. A compelling story. I think it is. I think it 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 pulls at your heartstrings. My heart wants to go on <laughs> whenever I, I I think of this. If it was a book, I'd be I'd be. I mean, I would be bored to tears. While really re- reading this book, 
the way that I, I was bored watching the movie. But I wasn't bored watching the movie. I don't think that it becomes the phenomenon it is without being compelling. I'm gonna throw. I'm gonna throw this out there. I like the movie. Okay, no, that's fine. I you did I mean? not. I thought I remember watching this movie with my girlfriend at the time, and thinking, and us both looking at each other and going, "Wow, Kate Winslet is not very good at acting. She's fantastic at acting. Not, not in, in this, this movie. film. <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio, not great in this film. No, something about this film just didn't do it for them. I think I think it's partially because of what's coming next on a metric characters. Okay, well well developed characters. They do have backstories. They do, yeah, but they're not very good. I I'm they're not developed in a way where I care tremendously about them. I think that the characters were told to us rather than us learning about them. Yes, I think that's a that's a good assessment. You know, the like the most compelling character for me is the unsinkable Molly Brown. Uh, played by Kathy Bates, but everything because they had to add they had to add a character who would narrate everybody else's character to tell us what, yeah, tell us about the them. old old woman. So we're not so we're learning it through narration. We're not actually learning because they're telling because we're learning it through the story. Yeah. So so no, and it it doesn't work the way it works like in the Princess Bride where we're having a narrator kind of tell us. But you're still you, not no. learning the whole story from the narrator. The narrator, that's true. You're still learning like. You only learn like, hey, there's this guy who is, you know, um, the Dread Pirate Roberts. Right. That's all you learn, and then you find out through the story. The compelling who part it is the compelling part is that there are people that went through this tragedy, and this is what happened along the way. But the people themselves, yeah, I could, I could care. Like I wasn't that affected by Jack dying. Ah, that was pretty sad. Uh, that was pretty sad. I thought she was such a bitch, though. Yeah, I, I mean, she totally could have <laughs> let him on that. Uh, the Mythbusters. Mythbusters? Mythbusters. The Mythbusters. Mist. Mist. Oh, fuck. Moving on. Okay. <laughs> Not even going to. Quotable mm. lines. It is a really quotable line movie. Come on, man. I think. Quotable line movie. That's great. <laughs> that's great, Jeff. Jameson's kicking in. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. That's already cooked, tick, kicked in. <laughs> I need to actually take another shot of it. Um, <laughs> pour another round. Uh yeah, it's quotable. It is a movie with great quotable lines. I don't know that they're they're great. Are you kidding, man? Okay. Go. Quotable line from Titanic. Um paint. I'm king of the world. Oh, I'm king of the world. That is that is a pretty good quote. Yeah, all right. <laughs> paint me like one of your French girls. <laughs> Every girl knows draw that me? line. Draw me like one of draw your, me like draw one me of like your, French, one of your French, girls. French girls. Or wear wearing this and only this. Creepy thing about that is the hand that actually draws Kate Winslet is a woman? No, it's James Cameron. The director and writer really? of the film. Yeah. James Cameron was like, I'll stand in for this one. <laughs> <laughs> Kate Winslet, go ahead and get nude. We'll make it real intimate. It's fine. <laughs> I'm going to sketch you. Yeah. And uh, would you recommend this movie? No. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Think about no. it. Someone hasn't seen Titanic. They come up to you and they're like, I haven't seen Titanic. Yeah, I'll, I'd be like, really? You haven't seen Titanic? Everybody's seen Titanic. But would I say... And you would say, you have to see Titanic. No. You've never seen it? No, I don't give a shit. I, I'd, like, I, I would be like, I wish I could be you. Somebody who hasn't seen Titanic. <laughs> and like doesn't have a clue what the fuck that movie is. I disagree with you on this. If someone says they haven't seen Titanic, I'd say just for the sheer pop culture alone, you have to see Titanic. I mean, Titanic is it one made thirty-two million, $320 million more than the movie that same year below it. $350. $350. Um, I would say that this movie is so steeped in pop culture that you wouldn't necessarily need to see it. How are you going to know what happens in the understand. end? Everybody knows what happens at the end. <laughs> it's been parodied so many times. It was the unsinkable so Titanic. Everybody knows that the boat sinks. I'm like, afraid you just no, gave it away. There's no yeah. Spoiler, Spoiler alert. alert. Hello. In 1911, <laughs> the damn thing sinks. Uh, I don't think anybody really needs to see this movie. I think okay. 1911, right? Uh, I think it was 1912. Hey Al. 19. Oh, uh, yeah, thank you, Al. 1912. April, yeah, April 15th, 1912. 1912. Yeah. I was close. I was within a year. That's not, that's yeah, not that terrible. Was good. That was my, good. my history brain, you know, tried. That's good. You knew, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend it. So half point there. Half point. So we gave it what? I, because I don't think it's a film that needs to be recommended. That's to, to be clear. We gave it three and a half. Three and a half? We gave it three and a half. Okay. 
So. That kind of surprises me, but okay. Uh, moving on to The Edge. The Edge. Written by David Mamet. <laughs> I can't stress that enough. Okay, let's go through this one quick. a great writer. Timeless. <laughs> no. <laughs> Is it a compelling story? Yes. Yeah, it's a real compelling. Compelling story. Uh, well-developed characters. Yes. Uh, yes, yes. There's, um, oh, there's very few characters, and they're very, yeah. very well-developed. Is it quotable? Eh, I wouldn't go... I wouldn't go quoting with your buddies. The, the edge. edge. No, <laughs> no. It, I mean, it, and it's not. Yeah, it's not really a movie that needs to be quotable, but it's not very quotable. Would you recommend it? Yeah, I wouldn't go recommending the edge. Someone said they haven't seen the edge. I wouldn't be like, oh my god, you have to see the edge. If you are a fan of Bart the Bear, this is his final work, and he does a great job mauling Alec Baldwin. If you are a fan of nineteen nineties Alec Baldwin, I would recommend it. Yeah. If you've seen. If you've seen Malice and you're looking for something <laughs> you else. You should have seen The Edge. <laughs> you should have seen The Edge. But if you're a fan of Alec Baldwin doing Donald Trump, I would say, you know what, don't see The Edge. Don't watch The Edge, no. If you think that's all Alec Baldwin is good for. If you were like, I liked him in 30 Rock. See, yeah, okay, if somebody was like, Alec Baldwin, you mean the guy from 30 Rock? I'd be like, yeah, he's actually like a good actor in other, in other stuff. <laughs> uh, in serious roles, you should see a movie like The Edge. See, you'd recommend it. I would recommend it, yeah. So we give him three. It's a three-finger movie. Three fingers. Okay. Okay, what's next? The Game. Fuck. Michael Douglas. Douglas. Michael Douglas. Um, yeah, I'll try not to be biased. I, I, I had a family member okay. work on this film. I will say this movie is a fucking stretch. Oh, the like feasibility of this in real life? Sure. This but is so... We're also talking about like billionaire lifestyle stuff, man. It could happen. How could this fucking happen? I've never understood how this shit would happen in real life. They 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 pinned it down to a precise time when the guy would fall through a, and the the ending of this movie, he falls through a ceiling, and they just happen to have changed the ceiling out for glass that is breakable glass and an airbag and an airbag. How do they know he was going to jump at that exact point? I, I think. I mean, it, you would set it up to where the storyline was either he was going to sacrifice himself or he was going to be pushed. Although, if well, if, in the if end, I'm, hold on, if I'm Michael Douglas in in that movie, and the end of this game was always intending for me to fall to my death, I say to all of those people, "Fuck off! Fuck you! <laughs> fuck all of it! Fuck you! Fuck you! My brother! Fuck you! Double!" Fuck you, fuck well, the you, brother fuck said, you, fuck you. In the end, the brother says, like, I'm glad you jumped because otherwise I would have had to throw you off. That's what I'm saying. So either way, he was going off the edge of that thing. So it would have made sense for them to set that up, you know. But the other but part. what if of- he would have gone the other. It was a, f- a building has four walls. Yes. What if he would have gone. What if you gone off the other three? Maybe they set up. On, on either side what if he missed it by a foot but that's what I'm saying <laughs> yeah how this whole thing they, they were the game lasts for like how many weeks it's it's a while yeah and they just happen to make it so that he jumps off the one side of that one building through the glass that they've and somehow they've they've changed Do, the ceiling the serv- to the be service, breakable glass the service that provides this game is very thorough fucking whatever so calculated the experience okay let's go over this is it timeless I think mm, it could be updated. Like, there's parts of it that would need to be updated to retell it. So, n- n- no. But the. No, the story is the, the, is no, the no, no, story. No, no, no. I, that's what I'm saying. The stuff that they've put in the story, because it was written in the 90s, there's some very 90s things about it. Like, nowadays, he could Google search a lot of stuff or call people. On cell phones, like there's That's true. there's some yeah, stuff in it that, right. that he wouldn't be so he on an island, this, you know. Yeah. So like they could remake this movie, but they would have to adjust for some time things specifically to pull off the sort of game that yeah. he's in. Um, so like technology would ruin this it's game. Kind of timeless in that like the the crux of it uh, setting up somebody for a game Although, in a sort of rich person's fantasy world thing. The technology is, would actually make it easier. To do the game. Yeah, yeah, no, no, but I'm saying like you would have to add that element to it in order yeah. for you to update it without people going, what the fuck? Like, just use your so cell phone. So nothing for Timeless, but... So, no, but with a... Compelling with a, story. With an asterisk. 
Uh, compelling. Yeah, it's compelling. Compelling. Yeah. Uh, well-developed characters. Yeah. Yeah, it's well-developed characters. Yeah. The, um, the poor bastard. Michael although, Douglas. you know what? <laughs> I, I, what I love to about this movie. To have to go through that whole thing. The best part of this movie is at the end when he goes up and asks the girl out. Mm-hmm. And she starts telling him a lie. And then she stops and goes, oh, wait, I forgot. We're done. Yeah. I've been doing this for way too long. Game's over. <laughs> and you kind of realize, oh, wait. She's like able to talk to him like a normal person. It's right. kind of a good... It's kind of a good juxtaposition in the movie. Um, and like when, when it's revealed that it's a game, even as an audience member, you're like, you kind of breathe a sigh of relief. Like, oh, like yeah. at, at first you're like, wait, what the fuck? And then um, and, and then you're like, oh, OK, good. He wasn't like that would have been a terrible thing for him to like just stumble into just this terrible week or two weeks that, that this guy has to go through. You know, does it have quotable lines? I, I, I can't think of any. Off the top of my head. I'm sure if I were to see this movie more recently... Well, I mean, I can think of lines from the movie. I don't know if there are lines that I'd be, like, you know, quotable, like... What's the line from the movie that you can... Well, I said, I said three. I mean, I said this, the line when the brother says, if you didn't jump off, I would have thrown you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, or but that's, the, that's when not the, something you when need the, to re- like the repeat. girl says... I mean, I haven't seen the movie in, like, ten years. Mm. Or when the girl says, you know... She says, I've been doing this, I've been doing this job way too long. Mm. When he goes over to ask her, you yeah. know, out... I wouldn't. I wouldn't put those in the quotable category. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But I mean, it does have parts of the movie that are, yeah. But anyway, um, would you recommend this movie? Fuck yeah, I'd rather mm-hmm. this movie. Mm-hmm. So what's his final score? Three, three finger Charlie. Three. Okay, so our our alternates here are not faring tremendously well. <laughs> <laughs> um, were we gonna do the fifth element? Yeah, let's do it. Why not? Okay, fifth element, and then clerks. And that'll round out our... You mean Chasing Amy? Oh, shit. Yeah, Chasing Amy. Sorry. I saw Kevin Smith on my, See, my little I know, notepad. See, I know what's going on here. See, you couldn't get in Clerks the other week. <laughs> so now you're just trying to get in Clerks. This is like you're a way of getting a Kevin Smith film in this is, here. Yeah, this is my love letter to Kevin Smith. <laughs> five, five fingers. <laughs> right off the bat. Yeah, I'm not even going to go through the metric. No, no, let's do Fifth Element first. Okay, let's go. Timeless. Time. Yeah, because it's a sci-fi movie. Like, the... There, so is, there, is, on, there is no time. Like the movie itself looks a little dated. So we're not grading on the movie. So we're grading on the story. The story is a, is a sci-fi movie. You could remake it now with without changing anything, and the story would would be yeah. just as effective. I agree. A compelling story. Yeah. Yeah. I, I the yeah uh, yes. <laughs> um, the multiple facets of the story are independently compelling. I think it's a quirky story. I don't think I don't know if I'd go as far as to say it's a compelling story. I think it's quirky. There's parts of the film okay. that are just like that are. It's a fun story, but I don't know if I'd put it as compelling. Half a point. Okay. Well developed characters. Yes. Um. Yeah. Well developed characters. Yeah, and and you believe them in the world. Um. This is one of Bruce Willis, Bruce Willis's uh, sort of. Um, it's one of my favorite Bruce Willis roles. You know, though, there's some characters here that drive me fucking crazy. Like um, the the who's the Gary Oldman? Yeah, Gary Oldman's character drives me. He's so weird, so crazy, so and, weird. And I don't think they really developed his character very well, but. Um, yeah. So fine. half point. Yeah, are, half are you, point. You you going off off of this? Well, because if if we're if we're comparing it to Boogie Nights and Goodwill Hunting, in that I would not compare it to those as having well developed characters. Because okay. Gary Oldman's character and even Chris Tucker's character, they kind of Tuck- come out of nowhere, and they don't really you don't really develop any of the. I, I would say that Chris Tucker, through the course of you interacting with Chris Tucker, you get a good sense of who he is as a character. It's not a very deep character, but you get a, as, a good when I first definition saw this movie, of who I had he is. No fucking clue what he was doing. <laughs> I didn't know he was a radio host. I was I like, what is he doing? All right, half a point, half a point. Um, let's see, quotable lines. Yeah, there's tons of quotable lines. It's, so, it's very quotable. And then would you recommend it? I would recommend this. I would recommend the shit out of this movie. Yeah, I, I would totally recommend this movie. It is one of the most fun sci-fi movies that you could watch. It's it's so good. All right, so that means so one, it got two, a four by my half, count. Half. One, two, three. One, three, two, three full fingers and two halves. Three half, yeah. So four. Four. All right. Now now we're now we're starting to see something that's you know comparable to our our actual nominees. 
Chasing Amy. Chasing Amy, our final one. Kevin Smith film. He wrote and directed it. Uh, I think one of his best films, Chasing Amy. Well, we're going to run it through the metric. We already spent a lot of time on it. Um, Timeless. The story itself. Story itself, I don't think it's timeless. No? Because of two reasons. Hmm. It's heavy on comics. Comic books? Comic books. What's more popular now than comic books? Now. Yeah. But in 10 years. Who knows? What if you wrote a book about a guy in a a baseball card store 20 years ago? Um. Now... Would nobody give a shit? You have to change the. You have to change where he's at. In twenty years, if nobody ever is is, is into comic books, shit. That's a you know valid. That's a valid point. And then also, he falls in love with a lesbian. Okay, not that a, kind of dynamic. Not exactly. We we I, I mentioned this earlier. Like she is at that moment in her life a lesbian, but she reveals in in a scene with Ben Affleck that she's she comes from a place where she's open to finding love regardless of sort of standards and boundaries socially. And like there isn't a normal way to find love. And that's where she struggles with with like her feelings with Ben Affleck because she's like all this time I thought, "Oh, I didn't I, I knew that not defining love made me fall in love with women, so that must make me a lesbian." But then she falls she has those similar feelings for Ben Affleck and realizes that her hesitation to get with Ben Affleck was um, in that same vein of restricting um, relationships based off of sort of your your sort of box. I feel that, like it's a very in. I feel like it's a very narrow view of. I feel like it's a definitely I think it's definitely a straight person's view of being gay. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, the thing that that saves it from being like a straight dude converts a like that that's the joke of it. Like it is she has this whole thing where she says all of that basically. You know, like um, I went I went through through my my journey and I found love and thought I you know like came to a conclusion that I was a lesbian. Then I met you and now I'm realizing that you know <clears throat> that love is fluid. And it, it has really no bearing on gender or, you know, confined roles or whatever. And then at the end, he's like, when he realizes that he didn't convert a lesbian, he's like, can I still tell people that you just needed a good deep dicking? But see, that's OK. So that's what I'm saying. That is a very 90s way of looking at that. Yes, it is. Today, I don't see that as being. That's why I don't think it's timeless. But but adding adding that in is 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 an important, very mature way of looking at love in general, I think. Not really. Today, I don't see no, that. No, the, the, that love can come in many different forms and shapes, and we shouldn't be confined by sort of, you know, what we assume roles should be in relationships. That's a really forward-thinking yeah, way of well, approaching. Or it's a very backwards way of thinking because you think that somebody who is a lesbian can be interested in men because they don't actually because they could be interested in both sexes because they're not really interested in women. Again, that that's the bad rap <laughs> that this movie gets is that it often comes off as Ben Affleck converting a lesbian, but like I said, there's that scene where it's not that. That's not what is happening. She is somebody who has had straight relationships, she's had lesbian relationships, and she had committed most of her love life to lesbian relationships. I'm not saying I'm saying, do you think that this is out of the 90s? Okay, not mm-hmm. in its element. Do you think it would still be timeless? I'm just saying that that's what we're that's what our metric is. I'm saying I don't think it is. I'm saying with everything wrapped up, I think this is a '90s movie. I think it's in its element in the '90s or in a generation of people that understand the '90s. If you were to play this for kids in high school right now, I don't think they would get it. That's interesting. It, it's 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 a tough one. I, I I'm compelled to give it a half point then. Okay. Deal. Yeah. Um, is it a compelling story? Yeah. Okay. No? That's half. fine. I'll give it a... Yeah. Oh, you'll, you'll give it? I, I yeah, figured we were fine. going half there. You didn't seem so committed. It's fine. Yeah. Um, well-developed characters. It, c- compelling for, for the characters, I think, is is what's, what happens there. Because it's so dialogue-driven and so much of a character dive, as most of his films are. It's about the characters and the story the 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 actual like plot of it is is not 
it takes more of a backseat to the characters and how they interact with each other and how they speak to each other and all that kind of stuff. The characters are, are, are you know, what is really the center point of most of Kevin Smith's movies in general. And Chasing Amy is, is not much different, you know? Um, you know, I think the weakest character in the movie really is Ben Affleck's character, but I have a feeling that that has more to do with Ben Affleck's portrayal more than it has to do with the way it was written. You know what I mean? So try, trying to, to, to separate the two, you know? Is it quotable? Yeah. I think if that movie had been released now, it would be more quotable because the sort of, like, pop culture has caught up to the, uh, like, nerd culture. You know, we're, we're, at, we're at this, like, zenith of... I don't know. Nerd culture nerd, was nerd culture big and in pop the 90s. Culture. Well, no, no, but it was on the rise. We're, we're at, we're at the, there's a pinnacle now where, like... Marvel movies are the biggest movies of the year. I think year. it's actually on the decline. If, if it's truly on, on a decline, that's yet to be seen. But we're definitely at the very top. You know, we're still in, in this, this wonderful, you know, area where, like, you can talk about nerdy things. And it doesn't matter if you're a jock or you're, you know, super into comic books or, you know, fucking Battlestar Galactica. Like, you can have conversations across those sort of social barriers that you know, back in the 90s and the 80s was like two very different groups and you were looked down upon for being really hyperly into, you know, nerdy things and now it's cool. So that kind of dialogue, that that kind of stuff that's in Chasing Amy that pertains to the comic book world and the characters and stuff would resonate, I think, to an audience now because that's become more of a cool pop culture thing to be into, you know. Would you recommend this film? Well, yeah, it's one of my favorite films, so yeah. And, like I said, one of the best Kevin Smith films for my money. Um, so, if somebody was like, oh, I've never seen a Kevin Smith film, I'd be like, well, you gotta see Chasing Amy, you gotta see Clerks. I wouldn't recommend this film. No? No. That's alright. Um, so, half a point for that. So, you got yeah. three half points and two full points? Yeah. <laughs> Trying to three and a half? Three and a half. Is that, is that what it is? Yeah. Three and a half. All right, that scored a little lower than I expected, but, you know, it's all right. All right, so ranking just off off of score. Our lowest is Deconstructing Harry with one. Uh, Then next, uh, we've got a a few that are at the three. The Full Monty, The Game, The Edge are at a three. Three point fives, we have Titanic and Chasing Amy. I I think Kevin Smith would be happy to know that his movie, Chasing Amy, is as good as Titanic, <laughs> according to our metric, as far as the writing goes. Uh, then we have The Fifth Element and Goodwill Hunting at four, four and a half, as good as it gets. And I think we got to switch the envelope because motherfucking Boogie Nights got a perfect score. I'm 100% with you that I think the, sw- the uh, envelope should be switched to Boogie Nights. To Boogie Nights. It, it, you know what? It, it's been said. Let it be written. Uh, the Academy, go ahead and switch that envelope. No longer Goodwill Hunting. Sorry, Ben Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. You wrote a fantastic film, but it just wasn't quite better than the rightful winner, Boogie, Boogie Nights. Nice. Cool. And our boy <clears throat> Burt Reynolds should have been walking away with an Oscar that uh, week. I that mean, year. no. <laughs> I don't know, man. His performance is good, but it wasn't as good as Robin Williams. I would disagree. Robin Williams is so good in Good Will Hunting. He's so good in that Don't movie. Don't mess with me, man. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. We've done it. We've done it again. Although we, we stayed within nomination lists. Yeah. At least, at least this time. We didn't Boogie have Nights to go was out. nominated. Yeah. And um, I appreciate that the Academy has put together a list of nominees that were that were deserving. good enough and deserving. Yeah. You know, we tried to put one up there. We couldn't, we just couldn't do it. Our metric, this is why we make a metric. Right. We stick to it. And try to be un- unbiased. You try know? to be unbiased. Yeah. I mean, um, sorry, Kevin Smith. I mean, you made a good film. We couldn't switch the envelope for Chase, you. Chasing Amy holds my heart, but, you know, we got to go with the science, and Boogie Nights takes it. <laughs> yes. This is the science, really. Yeah. It's not subjective. You can't argue it. It's science. You cannot argue this. If you think you can argue this, then you should hit us up on our Twitter yeah. at Switch Envelope or at our Instagram at Switch the Envelope. Yeah, or, um, or uh, you know... Any of the interwebs. We have, we have a Facebook page. 
uh, it's like facebook.com forward slash switch the envelope. Um, and of course, you can find all those links at switchtheenvelope.com. Uh, be sure to like, subscribe uh, to this on Apple Podcasts or on your Android device or on Stitcher. So, um, there's only one thing left to do. There Jeff. is only one thing left to do, which is to dedicate our podcast. So, we're going to dedicate our podcast to the one and only man who starred as the stranger in The Big Lebowski in 1998, Taking Mr. It Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott, bringing it back. Bringing it back, Sam. Thank you for starring in one of the best movies of all time. I'm giving him a standing ovation right now. Yep. It's a little sad when only one person gives a standing ovation. (laughs) (laughs) But you deserve it, Sam Elliott. Yes, for being in The Big Lebowski and playing The Stranger. Yeah. Signing off. Thank uh, you and good night. Corey and Jeff. The following has been a Riff Laugh production.